Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. As Anna was saying, you know, the start of a new year kind of brings some melancholy into our world because we look forward with great anticipation, but yet we look backwards as well because we've just been through a year. And so for many of us, most of us, in fact, the world as a whole, we've come through something that has never happened in our lifetime. You know, we've been through a major pandemic. And so we kind of take stock. We look back and we say, what do we, or what did we do, or what we didn't do that maybe we can institute in this new year, right? That's what New Year's do. It's a clean slate. It's a brand new page. We can start everything new. Whatever is old and washed away, all done. With a click of a switch, we move on from 2021 to 2022. Isn't that great? New year, fresh start. And so we have great goals that we have in mind, you know, and, and if I was talking to Anna, in fact, and she was talking about, you know, going to the gym because people want to lose weight. And, you know, the, the start of the year, if you go to a gym, it's packed out. It's like it's cram packed. But by, by the end of February, it's empty again because everyone has New Year resolutions, right? But they don't continue with it. That's the consistency. So maybe this year you have something you want to do. You know, go on a brand new adventure, lose weight or change some perspective in life and get things going in a different direction. Whatever it is, that new year brings such hopeful optimism, right? We want to get things right this year, that we didn't get things right last year. And so we have this great new perspective. And I was talking to God about it. I'm like, what do we want to say? What does God want to leave with us this year? What does God want to set us with a theme this year? And today I want to talk on this title. It's called Closing the Loop. Turn to your neighbor and say, close the loop. And what it's about is about being grateful and being thankful, right? And being grateful is a universal experience because we've all had rough patches in our life, right? We've gone through something, we've almost hit a car on the road, and what do we say? Thank God that didn't happen. You know, we've gone through a rough season in our life, and we get through it, and we say, thank God I'm through that. And for those of you that don't know God, probably you're saying something different. Thank goodness. Whatever there is, we give thanks to someone or something because we understand what gratefulness is right? We have to be grateful, thankful for what happens in our life. And oftentimes we look at things differently when it comes to gratefulness. See, the reality about being grateful is that when we don't show it or withhold it, gratitude, when we withhold gratitude, we actually create a gap in relationships. When we withhold gratitude, we actually create gaps in relationships. There's an unfilled space there, a breakdown, a glitch in the relationship. And if it goes on too long, it actually undermines any relationship that you have. It kind of compromises that relationship. And there's few things that sting as much as ingratitude, right? You've all felt the sting of ingratitude. Someone who has not been thankful to you for something you've done for them gone out of your way to do something for someone and they don't even acknowledge it. They don't even say, thank you. You feel that sting. See, it communicates, I don't see you. I don't acknowledge you. I don't recognize you. 
Nothing you've done for me is important. It's not worth it. I don't recognize your sacrifice or your effort. That's what ingratitude communicates. Ingratitude stings because it's the opposite of what's earned or expected. Right? That's what you expect and you didn't get it. Which is odd really because the reality is that that other person didn't do anything. It's what they didn't do that actually causes the problem. It kind of leaves you feeling empty, right? It kind of feels there's a hole there. There's something missing. Something has not happened. Nothing is, something is not completed in this transaction. There's a gap there. And that's why it stings. There are a few things that are more hurtful than ingratitude. It's like playing catch. You ever played catch as a kid? You know, you, you go out with your friend on the, the field and like, let's play a game of catch. And you take the ball and you throw it to them and they don't catch it. They don't return the catch. They just stand there and watch the ball roll to the fence. And you're like, hold on. Why don't you throw it back? I threw it to you. But you're just standing there as they kind of walk off aimlessly. And you're standing there going, what's going on? I thought we agreed to this game of catch. And this is the thing, you know, the reality about being ungrateful is that there's an awkwardness there. It leaves something unspoken in a relationship. Something that seems incomplete. Something that's not unfinished. And if this thing that is unsaid continues on for longer than usual, it actually breaks down a relationship. And there's something worse, you know, because if you say to someone, well, how about showing a little bit of gratitude? How about saying thank you? Aren't you thankful for what I just did? How about showing some appreciation? That kind of seems childish, though, because you're like, you're begging for a thank you. It's kind of childish. It makes us feel weak. It makes us feel like, you know, I don't want to do that. Who wants to say that? I don't want to say that. I want to get into that awkward conversation. And if you do say that, the other person will say, of course I'm thankful, right? Of course I'm grateful. I know I'm thankful to you, but I haven't said anything. And so they might say, I'm grateful and thankful, but what you actually hear is, oh, the big baby needs a big thank you and some constant reassurance because they just don't feel good. That's what you hear when, the, when you ask someone for a thank you. So even asking someone or talking about the subject is an uncomfortable endeavor, right? Asking someone to be grateful. So you know what most people do? They don't say anything. They just walk away. And it's a strange thing. In fact, it's, it's the opposite of a thing. It's not a thing. Because when inadequate and ingratitude is not expressed or ingratitude is expressed, someone does not say anything to you. But guess what it does? It does something. They brought you, or even when it is verbalized, right? Sometimes someone becomes grateful. They're like, they say thank you, but they don't really mean it. It's like, oh, great. I love that gift. It's a very sarcastic thing. Oh, it's not the right color. You know, it's just not the right thing. And you did something for someone and they don't appreciate it. They go, oh, that's nice. And they walk away. How do you feel? Do you feel the sting of that? It doesn't feel good. 
because it just does not feel gratitude. So most people, they won't even talk about it. Most times they won't even talk about it. There's a silent transaction that happens. A gap starts to form and that gap begins to get bigger and bigger. And the bigger it gets, the less willing the other person is willing to cross the gap to keep the relationship. The less willing they are to bridge the gap. But it's affecting them. Guess what happens to a relationship that continues on without gratitude being in the midst of it? It breaks down. It destroys a relationship. The person who does not express gratitude will never know how they damage the relationship. See, this is what we don't understand. It looms large when you're the victim, but it's invisible when you're the perpetrator. Because you feel it when someone is not grateful to you. But on the other side, it doesn't feel anything. You don't see anything. It's invisible. When you are on the receiving side of ingratitude, it hurts. And when you're on the giving side, you are just oblivious of it. It doesn't even occur to you. It's odd and it has huge repercussions. And most people, you know, most people, they write off ungrateful people. They give up on that relationship. And the thing is, you don't even know why the relationship has broken down. They've just been out of your life. They just withdraw. And that's what's so harmful because people will never tell you that a relationship broke down because you were ungrateful. They won't talk about it. They won't express it to you. Uh, if you're outside their family, they might talk to a family member, they might say something to their brother or sister or parent, but they'll never talk to people outside their family. They'll never tell you why the relationship broke down. It's your ingratitude or even your lack of knowledge of your ingratitude that caused the relationship to break down. And here's the thing, it compromises your integrity and your character and you didn't even know it was happening. Because you just thought, there's no problem here. Because on the giving side, you don't notice it. On the receiving side, you're quite well aware of it. And most people, they just move on. They move on to new relationships, they move on to new people, and you might not even know why that person is not in your life anymore. They've just moved on. And we often think that they should know how we feel, right? They should know how we feel. Because I'm grateful, but here's the important point I want to leave with you. Feelings that are unexpressed have no impact on people's lives. Feelings that are unexpressed have no impact in people's lives. And it's the same thing when it comes to God. We'll see that in just a moment. But if you've ever been accused of being ungrateful, and to be honest, most of us have been there, why don't you say thank you or someone says to you, you're ungrateful. You're not being genuine. Most of us have been in that. It doesn't feel good. You know why it doesn't feel good? Because it feels like they're judging us. You're judging me. Because I know I'm grateful. I know I feel thankful. I'm so grateful for what you did. I'm so thankful for what you did. Um, you don't even see what I feel like. I feel grateful. You don't see me being grateful. We get defensive because we're accused of not feeling. It feels like we're being judged. 
the reason we get defensive is because we know how we feel. How can I possibly know that I'm not appreciating you? I know I'm appreciating you, but here's the thing. They don't know how you feel. They only know how they feel, and they feel unappreciated. They don't know what you think. They don't know what you feel. They feel unappreciated. They feel taken advantage of. And here's what they're thinking. She is so ungrateful. He is so ungrateful. I went out of my way to do this. I took time out of my day. They didn't even care. They don't even say a thank you. What a horrible person. Here's what you're thinking. I'm so thankful this person went out of their way to do this for me. I feel warm towards them. I really appreciate them. I have these warm thoughts about them. I really think that they're a great person. That's what you were thinking. That's what they were thinking. They feel unappreciated. You feel like you appreciated them. But you didn't express anything. And so, think about that for a second. Think about how you felt, but not expressed. How is the other person supposed to know how you feel? And you could be so appreciative in your heart. You could feel the greatest warm feelings of love and affection for everyone in the world. But if you've not expressed it to anyone, they don't know how you feel. They've walked away feeling unappreciated. They've walked away feeling that you're ungrateful. They've walked away feeling that you're unthankful. Because no one can hear your thoughts or feel your feelings. No one can look into your mind and feel what you feel. And if you've not expressed that, they don't know. To them, unexpressed gratitude is actually ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is actually ingratitude. And here's the most damaging part. Your unexpressed gratitude, even unintentionally, is compromising your relationship and damaging your character and you have no idea it's going on. You have no idea. And the gap is getting bigger and bigger. And soon, it'll be gone. And you don't even know there's anything wrong because you're oblivious to it. Because you think you're grateful, but you've never expressed it. And I'll say again, unexpressed Gratitude experienced by the other person is the actual opposite of what you intend them to feel. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced by the other person the exact opposite of what you want them to think or feel. It's like when you are taken advantage of, when you're abused, when you're felt leaving, being left thankless. You remember that, right? You've all remember that. All of us have had that experience. And you remember it more because you know what? As human beings, we hold on to negative things longer than we hold on to positive things. And so we remember when people mistreated us. We remember when people were not thankful. We remember that and we hold on to it. Let me ask you another question. Do you have great memories of being thankful to people? Most of you probably don't. You know, that's the honest truth. You don't remember. Like, I was really thankful to that person. 
I did so much good things. You don't have those memories. Do you remember a memory where you were not thankful to someone? Probably not either. Because you just said, oh, I'm grateful in my heart. I'm so thankful for them. But you never said anything. While on the other side, they've walked away feeling really abused and taken advantage of. But you felt great because you were thankful. You were thankful in your heart. That's not a bad thing. You were great. I was so thankful. But you never expressed anything. So what I want you to understand is that ingratitude not expressed or gratitude not expressed as ingratitude. That's how it comes across. It comes across as being people being thankless and unappreciative because people don't know your thoughts. They've never experienced your feelings if you've never expressed it to them. And because if we didn't or haven't or will not or never do, People have walked away from us thinking that's who we are when you might not have even been that way. Right? Remember, unexpressed gratitude is experienced by the person as ingratitude. Ingratitude. Here's another way of thinking about this. You have people in your world that you love? Two people, I don't know about the rest of you, I don't know what you guys are doing. Do you have people in your world you love? Yes. yes. All right. How do you show them you love them? Do you just sit on a couch and go, I feel warm feelings towards them. Hopefully they'll understand. You know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I just have these warm feelings of love and affection. How do you show someone you love them? You spend time with them, yes. You take them out on a date. You buy them something special, a ring, some flowers, some chocolates, go see a movie together. You express how you love, right? You show people how you love. And that's the same thing for gratitude. You have to show gratitude, you have to express gratitude for the other person to know that you feel gratitude. It doesn't happen because you think warm thoughts. It doesn't happen because you feel thankful in your heart. It doesn't happen because you go, oh, I just feel so good that person did something for me. It's the same thing for gratitude. The expression of gratitude is not feeling. The expression of gratitude is not emotion. The expression of gratitude is actually expressing it. No one feels what you feel. No one thinks how you think. It's not the emotion, it's the expression. That's what gratitude is. Right? Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determined. I want you to think about that. Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determined. It's how you build relationship. Actually determined. See, because you trust people that are grateful, you open up your heart to them, you give of yourself to people that are grateful, you withdraw from people who are ungrateful. And it doesn't happen by choice, it's done instinctively because who wants their heart to be hurt? Do you want your heart to be hurt? No, you wouldn't want your heart to be hurt. So you automatically, you don't even choose, you instinctively withdraw from people who are ungrateful because you don't want your heart to be hurt over and over again. So you just move away. That relationship breaks down. While our hearts 
automatically gravitate towards recognition and gratitude. It's a decision, it's a response that happens automatically. We automatically gravitate towards being thanked. So here's how we close the loop. Be grateful to people around you. And if you're unsure, be more grateful than you're comfortable with. Be more thankful. If you feel yourself you're saying thank you too much, don't stop. Thank people even more. Because no one's ever going to say, you're just showering me with too much gratitude. No one's going to say that. No one's going to walk up to you and say, oh my gosh, you're just being so gracious. I want you to stop. They'll walk away when you're ungrateful. They'll never tell you to stop when you're being gracious because instinctively we draw towards people that are grateful. So keep expressing gratitude to everyone around you, which then leads us to this question. How do we express gratitude towards God? Is thinking good thoughts about Him and warm feelings in our hearts sufficient? Is that enough? Like, I know God knows that I love him. And I'm just going to go do whatever I want. But he knows. He just knows, you know, because he can see my thoughts. Unlike people, he can see and he does. So is it sufficient? Surely he can see into our hearts and into our lives. So do I need to express my gratitude towards God? Is that important? Or is warm feelings and thoughts sufficient. What do you think? There's a narrative in Luke that addresses this exact situation. Luke, of course, being a doctor, he investigated Jesus' life thoroughly, and he documents some of the amazing scenarios that Jesus talked about or went through. And so in Luke, his gospel, he documents this. He says this at one point, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, if you know anything about the topology of Jerusalem or geography of the area, you know that this is a very desolate area. It's a very barren area between Samaria and Galilee. You know, there was not much things going on there. It was just in the middle of nowhere. It was a very remote area. And Jesus was walking through with his disciples. He was going from one place to another, and he passed in this remote area. And in this remote area, there was actually a colony or outskirts of, of people living there, and they were actually not people that were allowed into the city. They weren't allowed to go among other people. They actually had to isolate. There was isolation going on. There was social distancing going on. The reason being because these were lepers. Verse 12 says, As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. If you know anything about leprosy, it's a contagious disease, especially in the old world, where people stayed away from lepers as far as possible. In fact, lepers couldn't live where other people lived in the city. They had to live outside the city, far from the city. And so in this middle of barren area was this colony living of lepers. And as we found out later, it was compromised of not just Jews, but Samaritans as well. So they lived in this very remote area. They couldn't associated with anyone else. The law required them to be far from any other people. So they lived in isolation. They don't normally become welcomed by anyone. 
They ostracized. In fact, anywhere they went, they had to yell out in advance and tell people they were coming so people would walk far from them. Kind of like social distancing. You know what that's familiar with. They had to wear a mask over their face. Some of you are wearing one right now. You know how that feels. And they could not do anything by anyone. You know, if you know anything about leprosy, it's that your pain indicators in your, in your arms, and your body, actually disappears and you don't feel pain the way other people feel. So what that led to is a lot of injuries that went untreated because they would damage themselves and hurt themselves. They wouldn't feel it. And often that would lead to infection, disease, and, and death. And no one wanted to hang around them. They were suffering relationship-wise. They couldn't go out with their families. And maybe they were declared leper. They were just isolated. They were thrown away from society. No one wanted to be around them. They didn't want to do anything. And so... They might have heard about this Jesus. They might have heard about him coming. And, and say, this verse says, actually, they stood at a distance, verse 13, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They didn't even come close because they weren't allowed to. They stood at a distance and called out to Jesus and said, Jesus, Master, which is, you know, interesting because only the disciples would call him Master. But desperate times call for desperate measures, right? And so they called him Master, have pity on us. And maybe they weren't even asking for anything. Maybe they were just so hungry and desperate. They just wanted some money so they can go and get some food to eat because they weren't allowed to work or do anything with anyone else. They were living in this desperation, isolated far from people. And so they yell out to Jesus. They call at him from a distance. And then verse 14 says, When he saw them, he said, Go. Which is, hey, that's what everyone said to them. Go away from us. Get away from us. Go. They went. That wasn't something new. They heard that all the time. But here's what's different. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. If you know anything about the culture, the time, any kind of skin disease or ailment, you had to quarantine yourself for a certain period of time, and then you had to go to the priest, and he would give you a clean bill of health. Then you were allowed into society. You could just walk by your own choice. And so that was a custom of the time. They had to be certified by a priest. But Jesus says, go to the priest. But for what? Why am I going? I'm still a leper. He says, go to them. Go to the priest. No one wanted them around. They were used to people shunning them and, and casting them aside. Why go to a crowded place? Why go to the priest? There's no point in going to the priest. There's no life there. They had no life. They had no freedom. They had no liberty. They had to live isolated. So why go into a place? And then here's the thing. If they went to the priest, as Jesus told them to, and nothing happened, who's the one that's going to be embarrassed? Who's the one that's going to be shunned? Who's the one that's going to be put down? Not Jesus. But Jesus says, go. And they went. And I, you know, in the church, we use a, this term, walk by faith a lot. This is literally walking by faith. Because they were obedient to what Jesus said without evidence of anything. They walked by faith to the priest without knowing anything. And the scripture says, as they went, they were cleansed. They walked by faith, and as they stepped towards where Jesus told them to go, out of the obedience to what he had asked them to do, they received their healing. Amen. They literally walked by faith. And Jesus had a threefold intent here. Number one, 
He wanted them to go and be verified by the priest that they were indeed healed. That had to be the custom of the day. Jesus wasn't violating the custom. He was actually working towards it. Go to the priest because number one, you're going to be verified that you are going to be clean. Number two, when these 10 guys show up, this is not something that's ordinary. This is something that's out of ordinary. 10 people being healed on the same day, 10 lepers, that's going to be something marvelous. And that's going to point to the glory of God. It's going to testify to God's healing power. And it's going to bring recognition to Jesus and his ministry. Nothing ordinary happened here. Something extraordinary happening. And number three, they had to be willing to go. If they did not step, there would be no healing. They had to be obedient to the direction of Jesus, even though they did not know what was going to happen. Even if they didn't have any idea what was going to happen in their life, they were obedient to what Jesus asked them. And it's that act of obedience that activated faith in their life that brought about healing. I don't believe if they decided not to go, they wouldn't have healed. But then, Luke brings a twist in this narrative. Here comes a major twist. It says that only one of them decided to come back. One of them decided to close the loop. He came right back. And Luke is impo- documents this because he wants us to understand something really important. That the one who came back wasn't the one from Galilee. It was the one outside He was the one that was grateful. He was the one that came back. And Jesus looks at this. Verse 15 says, One of them came back, and when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He gave glory to God. He came and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Which implies that the rest of them were not Samaritans. They were from Galilee. No more social distancing. No more having to tell people where he was going. He went right back to Jesus, threw himself at Jesus' feet. No more uncleanness. He was so grateful, he threw himself down. He was not content just to feel thankful and have warm feelings in his heart. He demonstrated, he expressed it. He came back. And as much as he wanted to start living his life, you don't know how long he was in this ostracized community. As much as he wanted to go out and and greet his family and, and do things and live life because he hadn't had a life before, he knew that he had to come back to express gratefulness to God, to close the loop. He did what we all need to do with God, express gratitude, not just have warm feelings in our heart. He had received life and liberty and freedom from Jesus. And he was not content just to feel thankful. He came back and expressed it. He came back with a grateful heart. He went to Jesus and was thankful. Which begs the question. When God gives us freedom and liberty and job and strength and everything. Do we go back grateful? Do we come back with gratitude in our heart? 
Do we come back to give thanks? Do we gather to worship and lift our hands and give glory to God like he did? Is it too shameful to lift your hands after God has done things in your life because someone else sitting next to you might look at you weird? Is it too much to say, come and live up to God and live in your life and give him praise and be thankful? Come and give God as he's blessed you in your job and give something to him and in your offering and tithes. Is that too much to be grateful for? Do we just not want to close that loop? Do we just say, God knows I'm thankful in my heart. He can see and he can feel. What was Jesus' response? Did he say, great, you guys must have all felt really thankful. Is it sufficient just to just think and feel? Do you think... That Jesus could not feel or see what every one of them felt? Of course he did. Yet Jesus shatters that narrative of just, it's okay to just feel thankful and appreciate it in our heart. He breaks that narrative because here's what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, Jesus asks, were there not ten cleansed? Where's the other guys? Where are the other nine? Ten of you received something. One came back. And if you look in the original green text, the Greek text, the question is actually at the end. It goes this way. It says, the other nine, where are they? With the other nine, where? Where are they? Do you think that it would be great to go back and say thank you to Jesus? In fact, their life was transformed. It's because of Jesus' generosity their life was completely changed. They had received something that no one else could give them. Not just momentary food. Their life was transformed. They could go back into society. They could have a meal with their family. They could embrace their wife, their kids. They could go out and get a job. They could do all these things. Their life was completely transformed. And I'm sure if you asked the other nine, were you thankful? Of course they would have said, of course we're grateful. Of course we're thankful. We have great feelings and joy towards Jesus. But where were they? Something is missing. And that's what Luke wants us to see. Something is missing from this moment. Something has not completed. The loop hasn't been closed. Something, there's a gap. Only one Samaritan came back to show gratitude. Luke does not want us to miss the importance of this moment. He documents it so we can see it. And then he turns the light, the spotlight from them onto us. Where are we when God does things in our life? When God gives things into our family, when God blesses us with a job, when God encourages us. We've been through a traumatic two years of pandemic. We're still here. His protection has been on us. Most of us, we might have lost a job, but we got another one. He provided strength. You're out there working because God gave you strength. You're not sick. You're alive, you're well. You have liberty, you have freedom. You have everything he has given you. And the question is, where are you? Where are you? Where are we? Are we coming to his house to give him glory? Or is an hour and a half on Sunday too much? Is it hard to lift your hands when you come and say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life? Is it hard to give to him that he's blessed you abundantly with? Because I have all the stuff in my house that I need. 
more than I could possibly want. There's people that live other parts of the world that don't even have a portion of what you have. Tons of stuff in the house, but I can't give to you. But I have warm feelings in my heart. Why isn't this okay with Jesus? Why isn't it okay? He goes, that's great. You, I'm sure all of you had warm feelings. Why did he ask? Nine of them missed the moment to close the loop. One of them expressed gratitude. It's a stinging rebuke. It's not that Jesus didn't know where they were. It's not, he's not asking out of curiosity. He did, like he had, lacks knowledge of where they went. He's asking because it's a rhetorical question. It's a rebuke. Where are they? And we would look at that text, and, and before, before I came up here and started talking about this, we would look at that text and go, yeah, that's right. Where are they? Right? We would say the same thing. Where are they? But before we judge them too harshly, let's turn the spotlight that Luke intends onto us. Where are we? Where are we? Have we closed the loop? You know when you were a kid and someone gave you a gift in front of your parents, you know what your parents said to you? What did they say? Say thank you. Why? Sometimes they would say, say thank you now. Because there's an urgency there to close that loop. Be grateful. Learn how to be grateful. Say thank you. Right? Be grateful. Express it. Don't just think it. Express it. What's the message? What's the message of Jesus? What's the message of our parents? What's the message that's coming across? Have we come back to close the loop? Are we grateful to God? Do we come and express it? How do we express it? We come consistently on Sunday. We don't just plan other things and go, you know what? Whatever. It's not important. If your boss said, you know, Oh, I didn't give you a paycheck this way. It's okay. It's not important. <laughs> Guarantee you'd be knocking down some doors and kicking someone said it. You didn't get your paycheck on when you were supposed to because you know, I worked for that. I earned that. It's mine. When we get into that mentality, it becomes ours. We possess things. We forget that God gave us the strength. God gave us the wisdom. God gave us the provision. God did all that stuff. And all of a sudden becomes mine. And we can't come back and express it. We can't come back and say, I'm going to help out in his house. You know what? He's given me a whole week to do whatever I want with my life. And I can come back an hour and a half on Sunday and, and help someone, welcome someone, smile at someone, serve an area, do something. You don't have to do it every week. You can do it once a month, but you can do something. You can express gratitude for what God has given you. I know it's really quiet. But as the spotlight turns towards us, do you have a nagging feeling in your spirit? Is there something bothering you when I'm talking about this? Why is it bothering you? Is it because I'm being too harsh? Or is it because I'm showing you what Jesus says? He says to the other nine, where are they? So is he saying the same thing into our life? Where are you? I've done all. I've given you life, liberty, freedom, strength, everything you need in your life. You have more than you can possibly want. 
but you struggle to come, you struggle to lift your hand, you struggle to give, you struggle to serve, where are you? Where's, what about closing the loop? Being grateful. Because remember, gratitude not expressed is ingratitude. Doesn't matter what you feel, and we justify that to ourselves. I know God feels that I love him. I know he knows that I'm thankful. But it's not expressed. And gratitude not expressed is ingratitude. You know, I struggle with that. I'm going to be honest with you because I have to talk to myself before I can talk to you. I struggle sometimes because, you know, what ingratitude does is it makes you feel like you're entitled. Right? This man that came back to be thankful, his life was transformed in expressed gratitude. See, what it says is the moment to close the gap has passed and the moment is gone. That's what Jesus is saying. It's gone, it's gone. You'll never be able to get that back. That loop has closed. One came back and closed it, nine did not. So Jesus says, where are these other guys? And that's what Luke wants us to learn. When God brings all of us into our life, are we thankful? Do we express gratitude? Do we express thankfulness to God? And Jesus is baffled by their lack of expression. That's why he says it. It's a, re it's a rebuke on their expression. So when Jesus' gaze shifts, as I said, towards us in this narrative, where are we? Where are you in this situation? You know, the psalmist says this amazing scripture, and I want to leave this with you as well. It comes from Psalm 19, verse 12. It says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Because here's the truth. You don't have an infinite number of days. Oftentimes as young people, and you know, I was young once, still young. <laughs> you think you have your life ahead of you, like you have infinite days, but the psalmist says, teach me to number my days so I can learn how to wisely be productive every single day of my life. Learn how to be grateful for us. The reality is that, you know, unexpressed gratitude is experienced by other people as ingratitude. I've said that. Unexpressed gratitude also feels like rejection. That I'm being rejected. That I'm not worth anything. Unexpressed gratitude comes across as arrogance, and no one likes arrogant people. Some of us might not express gratitude because we feel it's a weakness. If I have to express gratitude, that means I'm weak, that I need you in my life, that it's important that you're there, and so I'm not, I don't need anyone. The reality is this, all of us need someone. We definitely need God. All of us need Jesus more than we could possibly know. And the reality is this, that there's been thousands of people in, through our lifetime that have helped us get to where we are. We've not done this alone. There's been people behind us, a teacher, a friend, saw a stranger on the street that might have given you something that you need in time of need. There's been people behind us that have pushed us to be where we are now. The reality is that all of us have been helped to get where we are. No one has done it by themselves. And more than that, God has constantly been there for us. So the question then remains, 
Who do we want to be? That's the point of Luke's text. The reason he brings the story into his narrative. Because there's lots of stories about Jesus, but not all of them are documented. Why did Luke choose to put this narrative in? Because he wants you to understand, as the lens of Jesus shifts from them to us, as the spotlight shifts from them to us, do we close the loop? Do we close the loop? Do we come and express, not just have warm feelings in our heart, but do we express gratitude towards God? That's what Jesus wants us to see. It's not just having an emotion, it's an expression. When someone tells the story of your life, do you want it to be the story of the nine or the story of the one? When someone talks about you, which one do you want to be in? Which category do you want to be in? Right? As I said before, some of us might struggle with being grateful, but let's be overly grateful because it closes the loop towards each other and let's be grateful to God in our expression and thankfulness. And so I want to leave you with two questions. Number one, how can you express gratitude? And I, I couldn't underline it, but underline it in your mind. How can you express gratitude to those who have helped you? Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a son, a daughter, a parent, teacher. Someone that's helped you. Maybe they've encouraged you. Maybe they've sent you a text to help you along the way. Maybe they've been there for you. Maybe they've supported you through your crisis. There's someone that's helped you in your life. And maybe you haven't shown the appropriate gratitude. You haven't expressed it. They don't know how you feel if you just feel it. If it isn't expressed. Remember, unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. So if you haven't expressed that gratitude, they will never know that you're thankful or grateful or appreciate them or care about them or love them because it's never been expressed. So maybe someone along your journey of life has helped you, encouraged you, supported you, been there for you, gave towards you, whatever it may be. There's thousands of things that people have done in our life and maybe we haven't been as grateful or shown gratitude as we should have. And I said before, there's no such thing as being too grateful. There's something as being ungrateful, but not something as being too grateful. And you can never show too much gratitude. You can never say thank you and appreciate someone enough because people gravitate towards people that show gratefulness. And I'm trying to learn this in my life. So I'm not standing up here preaching to you, telling you to do something that I haven't tried in my life. I have to learn how to do that better myself. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to put things in place to help myself be more grateful for everyone that's around my life that's helped me. Number two, how can you be consistent in expressing gratitude to God? Maybe this is the year that you can choose to be a little bit generous in serving of your time, giving of something that God has given you. Maybe you can start to give. You know, we talk about giving and tithing, and some of us don't tithe at all. Some of us give. And maybe you think, oh my gosh, 10% is too much. Start with 1%. Start somewhere. Be grateful. Be grateful to what God has given you. 
Be grateful for his strength and life in your life. Be grateful by lifting your hands as you come on Sunday and thanking him. No one cares and looked at you in a derogatory way because if you lift your hands in the house of God. Lift your hands because it's a sign of surrender. God, I need you. One came back to give glory and worship to God. Do we come and give worship to God? Because that's an expression of gratitude. Now, don't just stand there. Express gratitude. Open your mouth. Say, thank you, Lord. Lift your hands. Say, I surrender. Thank you for what you've done through my week. How can we do something for God in his house? Serve a bit more. Love a bit more. Love other people. Display God's love to one another. How can we be consistent in expressing gratitude to God? As I said, as I was praying this year, I believe being grateful is so important for all of us. Grateful that God brought us through the last few years. Grateful that we're here at the start of a new year. So make this the year where we truly learn to be grateful. Grateful for all that God has done in our life. Grateful for all the people God has put around us. Grateful for our church family. Grateful for the people in our lives. Grateful for our jobs. Grateful for all these things. And let's learn to express it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Let me pray with you. Hello again. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.